Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Fridays as we roll into the weekend, wildcard weekend, six different NFL playoff games. I've got all my gambling picks for you. I'll break down every one of those games. Uh, Joe Biden classified doc scandal. Uh, Lamar Jackson out. We'll talk about all these things. CDC now investigating strokes in people 65 and older uh, based on the COVID booster shot. Uh, why, why we need a public database of government big tech censorship request. Washington Post says COVID deaths are exaggerated, all that and more. Uh, but we begin with me making you rich. My NFL wildcard picks, the Outkick six-pack, has made you money this year. That is... If you would just bet the six picks that I have made every NFL week so far, you would have more money than when you started. We basically ended up dead even, I think literally dead even, in college football. Uh, But NFL picks have been good. We're up. We've made you money. It's time to get rich, kids. Let me go uh, through them in order in which they will be played. Uh, Look, Seahawks 49ers. I'm taking the Seahawks plus the nine and a half. These are the numbers that are out there right now uh, that I just checked. Seahawks plus the nine and a half against the 49ers. I think this number is too high. I think that Geno Smith and the Seahawks will play decently against the 49ers. Brock Purdy, first major game. I think the 49ers will win, but I think this number is inflated. Seahawks plus nine and a half. Jags. Uh, Going up against the Chargers, we just found out Mike Williams not going to play with a back fracture that he got in a meaningless game. I like the way that the Jags have played down the stretch. Trevor Lawrence, 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He did not play well in the game against the Tennessee Titans. I think the Jags, however, at home, playing with house money in what should be a very good environment for them in Duval County. I'm going to go with the Jags plus two and a half uh, at home as the underdog against the Chargers. Bills. I think the Bills are going to blow out the Dolphins. Tua's not playing. Dolphins' offense has no juice. I think the Bills, maybe with DeMar Hamlin in attendance, are going to cover the 13.5. I think the Bills win by 20 or more. Uh, Giants-Vikings in Minnesota. I'm going over the 48.5. Again, that number, over 48.5. I like that Brian Dayball rested most of his big-time playmakers. Uh, the Giants are prepared. The Vikings have had solid offensive performance behind Kirk Cousins with Jefferson and company on the offensive side of the ball. I think they will have success. Rematch of a game we saw earlier this season in Minnesota that was a tight game won by the Vikings. I think Giants-Vikings over 48 and a half. Lamar Jackson is out uh, with an injury. He will not be playing. The Bengals are hosting the Ravens. I like the Bengals as a rematch of a game that we just saw last week. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to blow out the Baltimore Ravens. 
I think the Bengals win by double digits. I like the Bengals minus eight and a half. Joe Burrow and company advancing to the final four of the AFC. And I like on the Monday night game uh, with the Cowboys on the road in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. I like the Buccaneers plus two and a half. I like Tom Brady here. Uh, I like the Bucs with the home game. I don't like the way that the Dallas Cowboys played down the stretch. I haven't been impressed with Dak Prescott uh, so far this season. I'm going to take the 45-year-old Tom Brady as being the more reliable quarterback in the playoff game scenarios. I'm going to take the Bucs plus the underdog points plus two and a half against the Cowboys. That is my OutKick six-pack. I'll also tweet it out. So if you didn't have time to write that down, I will tweet out the picks probably this evening um, to go ahead and lock all of those in. Again, these are my picks. Seahawks, Jags, Bills, uh, the over in Giants, Vikings, Bengals, and Bucks. Five winners uh, and or picking them on the number one over under Giants, Vikings on the over side. All right. I want to go to this Biden classified document scandal, which for all we know could have grown since uh, since I last checked social media. But I want to go to the very beginning of this controversy that I'm not hearing discussed very much. Based on the timeline that was provided to us by Merrick Garland, the initial discovery of classified documents occurred on November 2nd in Joe Biden's office uh, in Washington, D.C., his private office that he occupied before he ended up getting elected president, this so-called Penn Biden office space. Uh, What we are told is that someone arrived in that office, began to pack up all of the things there because they were shutting down the office, found a folder of some sort, opened it, and discovered then that there were classified documents inside, that the archives were notified, and then the archives ended up notifying the Department of Justice. So I want to focus right now on that uh, aspect of this story. Things don't add up, okay? So we don't know who that individual was. It's been described as a Biden employee. Maybe it was a Biden attorney. We don't know who made that quote-unquote, discovery. But that instant is very important to understand what was going on here. Because one of two things happened. I think it's fair to say. Either the person who discovered these documents was an incredible stickler for details, and as soon as they saw this classified document, which they were snooping through and found, they notified the National Archives creating a massive scandal for their boss. You would presume that anyone picking up boxes who knew the significance of a classified document would be sophisticated enough to know that this was going to be a scandal, that this was potentially a crime committed by their boss. Okay? So either that person was a huge stickler for process details and they notified the National Archives And that's how this story started. Because one big thing I have in my thought process here is, why did this ever become a story? One one pathway is the person who discovered this is a stickler for details. As soon as they saw it, they shut down everything, they notified everybody, and they got out of the way. 
That's one possibility. Another possibility which feels more likely to me is that someone behind the scenes notified Joe Biden that there were documents in his possession or documents missing from the archives that needed to be there and they needed him to find them. In which case, this story of they came across them by happenstance is made up and they don't want to give away the fact that they were tipped off. That actually makes more sense to me. It makes more sense to me that the reason why after several years in Joe Biden's possession that suddenly these classified documents were found was not because it happened by chance, but because there was a very specific directive given that something was missing, that something was in Biden's possession, and that it was imperative that they be found. And they then said, oh, we accidentally discovered these documents. Something doesn't add up here. And again, I want to go to the very first report to this November 2nd discovery. Who was the person who found these documents and what was their motivation under which these documents were found and later became public? That is incredibly important. So if I could have the answer to any question right now, if I got one question... It would be knowing who this person is and knowing why they suddenly came into contact with these documents. What began this story? What began this potential criminal issue? Because I got to be honest with you. I think most people who work for Joe Biden, if they suddenly came across classified documents, would not create a story where their uh, boss could end up being a felon. I think the most likely outcome here is someone knew Biden had documents he wasn't supposed to have and they went in search of them, found them, and then tried to return them. Maybe maybe this was something the National Archives realized was missing. Maybe it actually has some historical resonance, some historical significance. You have to kind of pull at the thread and kind of figure out what's going on. Some people are like, hey, this feels like a setup. No, no, no. I think it's incompetence. But I think the search to uncover it is unlikely to have been direct incompetence, if that makes sense. So anyway, just think about that. Where did this, how did this begin? What was the impetus under which these were discovered? Do we really think it was totally by chance? I just, I'm not willing to buy that this was an inadvertent, totally unexpected, accidental discovery by chance. Who found these documents? Who started this story underway? We need to know that. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers the string trimmers and more right now save $30 on the American made steel FS 56 RCE trimmer real steel the FS 56 RCE is made in America of US and global materials offer valid through June 16 2024 see participating retailer for details um, I have got a idea we just had Jim Jordan on the show the Clay and Buck show he's a new head of the Judiciary Committee I've got an idea that I think is genius 
okay? Uh, and you guys know I'm too humble to believe that anything is genius coming from me. Most humble man I know. So I've, I'm reading these latest Twitter files revelations, and it seems quite clear that Democrat Congressman Adam Schiff was trying to get anybody who said anything negative about him, including journalists, also just people making jokes online, banned. Constant requests that there be uh, bannings, that there be censorship from political critics of Adam Schiff. Um, And also that the whole Russia collusion thing was manufactured, that there was no basis for it. Yes, of course. But I'm looking here and I'm thinking, how could we limit government censorship without having to create a massive apparatus of new laws, which we don't know how they'll be impacted. We don't know what the overall significance will be. And I've got your answer. We need an official government database of any request made of big tech, journalism, any of those companies. By which I mean this. If you are requesting that somebody be censored, that some topic be removed, we need an official database where those requests are made for Facebook, for Instagram, for Google, YouTube, Twitter, all of them. Because I think it would vastly diminish those requests for censorship if you knew that all of them were going to be readily accessible and apparent to all in a database. Sometimes requests for removal make sense. Okay? In my life, I have made some requests. Sometimes people have been out there making threats, believe it or not, to my wife. Um, I had somebody uh, years ago post a uh, Google Maps uh, aerial footage of my house and tweet, we know when you're working out in Los Angeles and your wife is home alone with kids. I took that directly to Fox Security. Fox Security did an investigation. They tracked the guy down. They worked in concert with Twitter, right? If you are making personal threats to people, if you are making violent threats, I think you should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. That's my personal opinion. Requests like those are 100% proper. If somebody is threatening a congressperson, if somebody is uh, engaging in threats of violence along those lines against anyone, I think all of that should be public and there should be consequences uh, in terms of behavior like that. But if somebody just says something that you don't like, or a journalist just writes a story that you don't like, or sends a tweet that you don't like, I don't believe that you should be able to behind the scenes, try and get that person banned without it becoming public. So I believe if you had a database of all of these requests that were being made by public officials, congresspeople, senators, governors, all of their staffs, certainly the White House, that the number of those requests that would still occur would diminish substantially. And it wouldn't create some new necessity for a law just a database by which all of these requests are filed that then become public so that you or me or anybody else could type in a name and it would have to be associated and you'd be able to look it up. I really do think that that would have a tremendous impact when it comes to 
decisions that would be made <clears throat> by public officials. Um, and I think it's necessary based on all the revelations that we're getting from Twitter inside of the Twitter files. Uh, so that is uh, an important uh, solution, idea, that I would put out there as Republicans prepare to investigate so many of these big tech companies. Uh, and I said this to Jim Jordan earlier on the radio program. Uh, I think it could make an awful lot of sense. And I, by the way, I've also said it to Elon Musk uh, in a uh, public spaces conversation that he was involved in. Uh, I made the same suggestion. Guys, you know that I've been talking about the fact that I believe the data is reflecting that the CDC shots, are, uh, sorry, the CDC has done a really poor job of sharing data on the Moderna-Pfizer shots and the fact that I believe they are mostly worthless, okay? I think if you are young and healthy, the data reflects you never should have gotten a COVID shot. You certainly don't need boosters. And unfortunately, there are people out there that are having health-related issues, I believe, that are partly caused by the COVID shot. Well, just in the last hour, the CDC has announced that they are investigating whether the new bivalent, however you want to call them, COVID shots, are increasing the incidence of stroke in people over the age of 65. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. These shots, in my opinion, are garbage. I think that they have been foisted upon the American public in a fraudulent fashion. I think that everybody who got these shots, deep down, is starting to wonder whether they made the wrong decision for their health. And as more and more of this evidence comes out of unexplained death rates that are existing in many countries, primarily in countries that have had the most prevalence of the COVID shot, I think it's becoming harder and harder to justify the fact that we are not getting a public accounting for what these Moderna and Pfizer shots may have done. Uh, which is why I have been saying I think the House Republicans should vote to remove the immunity protection and either Pfizer and Moderna should return all profits from these shots to the American taxpayer who funded them or we should open up lawsuits to any plaintiff's lawyer out there that wants to file these lawsuits because I think these shots, the data is increasingly showing that they are complete and total garbage. But the data that is out there, CDC on a Friday afternoon headed into the weekend, now announcing that they are investigating the prevalence of strokes in people over 65 years old within the first 21 days, I believe is the report, after they have gotten their COVID bivalent booster. If you're young, you're watching or listening this, and you're under the age of 50, and you are relatively healthy, I think you're crazy if you're getting the COVID shot. And I told you early on, I was uh, of the belief based on COVID's mortality tables, I encouraged my parents to go get the COVID shots. I have not encouraged them to get any more boosters. If you got the original COVID shots, I wouldn't go anywhere near uh, getting a booster. And if you have young children and you are getting them the COVID shot, I think, frankly, you are crazy and I think you have not looked at the actual data. All my opinions based on the data that is out there. Um, and if you think, oh, Clay, you're a conspiracy theorist, like, let me just tell you this. I've been 
a couple of years ahead of where the mainstream media, if you want to call them the mainstream media, has ended up on many of these shows uh, and and their, their outlets. So I'm reading now from the Washington Post, um, and the headline is, it's an opinion piece by Dr. Lena Wynn, CNN's health expert, one of them. The opinion piece says, we are overcounting COVID deaths and hospitalizations. That's a problem. Who does that sound like? That sounds like what I was telling you in the summer, certainly, by the summer of 2020. And let me read the opening paragraph and a few of the lines in here. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, the United States is experiencing around 400 COVID deaths every day. At that rate, there would be nearly 150,000 deaths a year. I'm reading from the Washington Post, Dr. Lena Wynn's piece. But are these Americans dying from COVID or with COVID? Where have you heard that before? Where have you read that before? I've been telling you that for years. The Washington Post in 2023 just published this today. All right? Um, Understanding, I'm reading from the piece. Understanding this distinction is crucial to putting the toll of COVID into perspective. Uh, And here are uh, a couple of quotes. One of the experts uh, estimates at Emory Hospital in the Atlanta area, quote, 90% of patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness. 90%. And here's a quote. Since every hospitalized patient gets tested for COVID, many are incidentally positive. This is an Emory doctor. A gunshot victim or someone who had a heart attack could test positive for the virus, but the infection has no bearing on why they sought medical care. Uh, Also, as I've been telling you from the beginning, almost everyone dying with COVID has at least three or four comorbidities. That is, they are not actually dying of COVID. They are dying with COVID. Um, And so uh, I shared a couple of screenshots of this and we're talking about maybe 20%, maybe 30%, certainly way less than half of COVID deaths are actually caused by COVID. COVID is a contributing factor to many people that are otherwise very unhealthy dying, okay? And the fact that we have continued this charade for years now and suddenly the Washington Post comes running in on January 13th and says, hey, by the way, guys, it appears that many of these COVID deaths are not actually COVID deaths. Uh, Yeah, go figure. Um, So that is worth uh, contemplating, I think, as we roll into the weekend. And I would just encourage you to remember who has been like two years, three years sometimes ahead of where the mainstream media is. I'm telling you, the story of the COVID shot is they are poison to many people and very few people these days are being helped at all by COVID. If you are under the age of 50 and you are healthy, 
You have no business being anywhere near this COVID shot. Thankfully, the Department of Defense has finally ended the COVID shot requirements. But my goodness, the fact that any college and university or any school is still requiring young people to get the COVID shot is an absolute failure of basic science. Okay? Do not go near these shots. We need lawsuits and we need Moderna and Pfizer held accountable for their fraud and for their lies. All right. Finally, closing out one more time. Seahawks, Jags, Bills, Bengals, Bucks, all to cover. Seahawks, Jags, Bills, Bengals, Bucks, all to cover. The over in Giants, Vikings. Get rich, kids. I am Clay Travis. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. That is my OutKick six-pack. Enjoy the games this weekend. I'll see you all Monday.